Okay, well, tonight we're going to watch a movie called Forever My Girl. We go from Philip K. Dick's Electric Dream series all the way to this classic country American Christian movie. So, <laughs> Emily loves Christian movies. So she <laughs> The theme is really beautiful for me because what touched me about this movie was the defense mechanisms that can hide our light and they can even look like success, fame, doing well and being loved. But if you've compromised on a deeper commitment that needs to be made first, then it doesn't matter what what you do in form. It's not going to bring you any joy and happiness. And you'll see very quickly this guy carries around a, a phone that has a message. He's carried it around for eight years. That has a message reminding him of the love that's available <laughs> to him. But he's so scared of it that he'd rather run away than know how to deal with, with the love that's coming at him. So this whole movie is basically him trying to come to terms with that and find a way to accept that everybody loves him, that he's loved and that there's a whole world waiting for him of just love. <laughs> so David and his father saw this movie first. They did a very long drive from our house in Salt Lake uh, Camas to get it, and then we all had to wait two months until it came in a way that we could share it with you guys. So we're excited. Yeah, it's, it's amazing in this... Uh world of time and space, all the ways, the intricate ways that's possible to hide from love, try to hide out from God's love and what some people call redemption or salvation, or you might just call it accepting the correction in your mind for all of this pain and shame and guilt and everything that's associated with the difficulties and challenges of this world is it's really trying to run away from from love and so we have a world in which there seems to be all these things to be afraid of plagues diseases weather disasters like what's going on in Hawaii we actually lived on the big island of Hawaii and the neighborhood where we lived is is exploding with hot lava splashing all over the place. We've had a, a center in Lilani Estates, the very place that's getting just pummeled with hot 13, 1400-degree lava coming down the streets and out of the cracks and everywhere. I was just sharing today that our friend Lila, who was over there too, she she was born in 1955, which was the last time that this volcano erupted and then she just passed away recently, right before it erupted again, um, over there in Hawaii on that island. So it's, we'll dedicate this movie to Lila tonight. She's, she's making her love and presence felt in a big, strong way. But in this movie, the main character, he becomes a Christian, a Christian pop singer and hits it big time. And so he becomes really, really famous. And yet, um, you could say that he's got this unworthiness of love that all of his 
fame and all of his life in the limelight is part of a distraction away from this deep-seated unworthiness where he was terrified of love in a love relationship that he had and uh, it's basically kind of interesting to think that a famous career in music could be an escape from something. Because in this world, everyone would say, oh, you've done very, very well. I mean, if you were like, had a Garth Brooks fame, people would say, you really have done well with your country singing there. But when you start to see the hurt and the pain and the grievances and the fear that's underneath, then you can start to see that, that he has to heal, just like everyone, and that fame and fortune are not what they're made out to be. They're made out to be big successes in this world, but if they're being used as a cover over a deep-seated unworthiness, then that, that is going to have to come up for healing sooner or later. And there have been many rock stars and famous musicians and actresses that have crashed and burned. We have so many fascinating things that happen with this community that uh, we just had a young woman uh, from Europe who, who's a, an actress trying to make it big in Broadway and suddenly she discovers the course and she starts reading the course and starts wondering if all of her aspirations <laughs> in acting and Broadway and everything is really what her calling is but she's quite young, so it's almost like the Holy Spirit can intercept <laughs> at any point of your life and say, wait a minute, I have a calling for you, why you are here, what your purpose is for, for being here and being used in a greater plan. No matter what the trajectory is, even if you're on a, on a trajectory for fame, it can be intercepted at any point with truth with the desire, the calling of your heart to wake up from this dream and remember the kingdom of heaven within, remember who you truly are, which is what all the world is for. It's amazing to think that everything that we perceive with our eyes has only the purpose of knowing who we are and really no other purpose. That's quite a fascinating idea to entertain. <laughs> that was the point of everything, was know thyself. <laughs> There's also a deep theme that, that shows how you keep you know, this awareness that Dave was talking about from yourself in this movie. It's not overt, that's why I want to say it to you, it's responsibility. Again, you find out that his mother died when he's really young. And he felt like he couldn't control it or couldn't do anything about it. And so part of his healing is having to face that again. And he knows that he has to face it on some level. So that's why he's keeping this love apart. So he's keeping the step, the next guided step, to face that responsibility. We may even pause it at, at that scene. That's pretty deep. If, if you believe you've encountered such a deep loss, like the loss of your mother, and then you associate a love relationship with being taken into the position where you could experience that same hurt a second time, then that's where the mind will try to deviate off into other things to avoid the hurt. But we all know that avoidance is not where healing 
occurs. It's actually going inward, turning inward and facing our belief in loss and sacrifice and, and pain and suffering. So it's not God that, that put us in the predicament of this world. It's, it's coming from a decision, but we can always change our mind and turn towards God. That's always an option. And yeah, these movies come along every so once in a while, you know, and it's like a good old country music Christian song with some good healing at the bottom of it. You can't beat that. Good old cowboy healing movie. <laughs> After we've shocked you with <laughs> Philip K. Dick for three or four weeks, it's like, give us some good country music. Let us wail a little bit and have some healing. So that's what we're going to do for you this time. We're going to have a healing movie. <laughs> And we, we have Spanish subtitles, so you're going to have to get into the Louisiana drawl if you're going to understand this movie. <laughs> if you have trouble understanding us with our southern twang accents, just read the subtitles in Spanish and <laughs> ask somebody sitting next to you, what are they talking about? <laughs> okay, you ready? Okay. Start her up. Let them roll. Well, there's a line from our movie Revolver that says, Where you don't want to go, that's where you'll find him. It's referring to the ego. And that some people say, How does God's plan work? How does the plan work? Well, the plan is you have to bring the illusions to the truth. You have to bring the darkness to the light, and if you've hidden your darkness, if you've hidden your guilt, if you've repressed it, if you've pushed it out of awareness, then the script is designed, and the script was written actually a long time ago, but it was completely designed in one instant for healing. So that basically you have to face whatever you denied. Because when you deny something from awareness, when you push it down in the unconscious mind, like, I don't want to see this, and I don't want to deal with this, and it's too hurtful, and it's too dark, and I don't want to go there, then what is denied and what is pressed down is projected out as if it is outside of the mind in the world. So when we have difficult memories, to face, it's because we have denied them from awareness and now they're coming around again for us to heal. So all of these things that seem to be dark memories, you know, basically you could see from the beginning he, he jilted his bride and then his first time back, his, a close friend of his has died and that draws him back and now being back in that town with his dad, the preacher, <laughs> And his fiance, his jilted bride, he is going to have to face everything that he's been running from, that he's been pushing out of awareness. But just the fact that he keeps that cell phone and keeps playing that message from her over and over and over, that's the draw. You know, there's a deep love there, but it's this belief that he's done something terribly wrong and can't face it. Some of you might remember the Disney movie, The Lion King. 
where Simba is present when his father is is pushed off by by the Scar, his uncle, and and he basically Scar tells him, you know, run like you did it. You are responsible for your father's death, and then he runs far, far away from his home. It's kind of like this movie. Liam's run far, far away and got into fame and fortune and all kinds of things to run from the pain, and now he has to go back, just like Simba has to go back and face it. And really, that's the message for all of us. We have tried to push this belief that we could separate from God, this crazy, insane belief. We've tried to bury it and push this pain out of awareness. And that's why the unconscious is described by many psychologists and, and spiritual teachers and philosophers as, as a very dark uh, space in the mind. Uh, Carl Jung called it the shadow. It's, it's our shadow self. It's those, that dark belief that we did something terrible and we have not been willing to face it, so we've been distracting ourselves away with fame and fortune and all kinds of distractions on, on the surface of the world, not wanting to go back and face that. And yet that's the journey to healing, is going, going with the Holy Spirit inside and facing every dark corner of the mind, everything that's been pushed out of awareness. And we've got a lot of movies in our Movie Watcher's Guide that, that are all about that, but this, this is one of our rare country ones. <laughs> Happy to see a country entry coming in there for Movie Watcher's Guide. So that's, that's the journey on. Now we're going to see him have to face everywhere he goes in this town, everyone he meets in this town all knows the story. So he's got a face like the Scarlet Letter, <laughs> you know how she had that to wear that symbol wherever she went. He's he's there, and this is a small town, so everybody is aware of this. He's going to have to face the story of what seemed to happen, and that's part of bringing it up for healing. You know, you have to be courageous to do this, and you have to be faithful to let the spirit pull you through and rise above the hurt, rise above the pain. And we have this mysterious little girl that's in the picture too. <laughs> he, he might end up with a triple dose. <laughs> yeah, she plays a cool role in this movie. These kids, just like the last one we watched, uh, imagine that, just before this one. But you notice he's really famous too, in the outside world, so he has to go where he doesn't want to go to really get past that allure of people seeing a false self. So, here he goes. I just heard the song, because I just saw this the other day, and the song said, uh, slowing down, don't come easy. Because remember, he had that high-paced life to avoid the pain. So he's like finally come back to that same place where that memory of his mom flushed up into awareness. His life is slowing down. He's going out on dates. He's calm. But it doesn't come easy, meaning he's now really got to face the deeper stuff. And there's this guy who's about to come in, his brother-in-law, and just play out all his doubt thoughts right now.
Yeah, that's pretty typical too of the spiritual journey, you know, where you go from really dark and hurt and out of touch and then you start to build that miracle and you could see he really had a lot of faith and he was really going for it, you know, and and also his dad, you know, at the beginning having everybody come and hug him and and his going to see Josie over and over and over, seeing his daughter over and over, but it's you know, you it's pretty much how the Holy Spirit works. You have to have faith, faith, faith. You go for it, you go for it, and then the next wave of doubt thoughts, just almost like birth pains, the next wave of, of doubt thoughts come up and those are from that deep dark place of the unconscious that is just this pushed out of awareness feeling of unworthiness, not being worthy of love. And so that's why it, it takes such faith on the spiritual journey because you 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 build your confidence, you get soaring, soaring, and then like Jason said, he's he had that memory come up with his mother, just that sense of powerlessness, helplessness, and loss. Basically I think it was triggering that belief you know, that deep-seated loss of his mother. And then that's why he's he's in the bar drinking, and it's just like it's it kind of blindsided him. Uh, and that's the way it goes. You, you have to be ready for those blindside uh, ego sabotages to just rip everything out just when you seem to have your confidence. You get your confidence to build the strength, so you have the strength to take the next... <laughs> torpedo <laughs> that's going to be coming from the dark side. And we all know that. We've been through that. Especially when you call out for God for healing. When you're really praying and saying, I want to heal. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to distract and delay and just dilly-dally in dreams. I want to heal. I want to wake up. I want to know what heaven is. I want to know the truth. So, yeah, this is the big... Sabotage, and then that says a lot. How how do you handle the sabotage torpedo? That will say a lot about your your character and your willingness to to really hang in there. It's quite intense. Let's see how his maturity does. Yeah, we. Had a strong guidance to drive. We drove a long way to see this movie, <laughs> but it was it, that, that's happened a number of times. We just get a strong prompt, and it's like, "Where is it? Okay, let's find it." And we go and find it. So then, once somebody's seen it, then we usually try to reel it in for our collection to share. So, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was a love story, but. A good love story in a sense it just showed the forgiveness you know for it to be lasting and deep and consistent, then there has to be forgiveness first, and then that's just all that clearing that unconscious darkness has to come up, but that's why we're mighty companions to one another, knowing that there will be darkness that comes up, and yeah, we have to hold each other's hands and walk through whatever it is, but we're in this to go all the way, and it's deep. And as I was sharing earlier, wherever you don't want to go, 
That's where you'll find him. Initially, that means the ego, but ultimately, that leads back to God by exposing the ego. And there's a great line in the Course, which is goes something like, the more that you look at the guilt, the less you see of it. The more that you look at guilt, the less you see of it. Meaning, the more that you look within and, and expose and uncover the guilt, the less you see of it in the world. For it's by exposing and looking at it with the Holy Spirit that you release it. And the world is just a projection of guilt. So that's where those guilty interpretations come in, of thinking that there's something that you can't handle within yourself, and therefore it seems easier to see it as if it's out there, so to speak. And that's what projection is. It's the attempt to get rid of something that you do not want. And this is actually how you keep it. By projecting it, you keep guilt. Just like blame. Every time you point the finger at somebody and you blame them for something, I always remember that there's three fingers pointing back at you for every finger you point. One for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> The Trinity's like, are you really sure you want to blame or to forgive? And yeah, there were so many forgiveness points in this movie. Seems like every around every turn. And how beautiful that uh, Spirit uses all the symbols, but brought in the Billy character. She was a real spunky, no private thoughts, shoot straight and speak it straight. And that... That really speeds things up when you have that directness. There was no beating around the bush on with Billy. Straight arrow. So that was good. That helped speed it up for her mom and her dad. It's kind of interesting too showing this movie because we've been, we had a session, worldwide session this morning at 10. I had a session there and I was talking all about how there's only one law and that's the law of love. That's, that's all that God created is one law and the law of love. And then today, starting off this morning, I was exposing royally all of the laws that the ego made up, including laws of friendship even, and laws of nutrition, medicine, economics. I went through them all very specifically today, uh, just pointing out how everything that's believed about this world is idols. They're all fictitious, they're all make-believe, and the only way that you come back into divine love is by exposing and releasing these idols. Because they're all God substitutes. So even a beautiful movie, like a masterpiece movie like this, is, is coming back to the core of you have to keep humbly letting go. And wow, what a... What a washing away, a power washing away of pride.
and um, he could really see where he had this ultimately came down to that fear of loss like he had a, a past experience of of just debilitating loss and grief with his mother passing and as he told Josie on the phone when he finally answered her message you know I was just afraid to lose again and that's the ego's main way of holding the guilt in the mind. It's, it says, you know, you've, you've, you've had a terrible experience in the past and terrible dark memories and it's basically saying that, uh, that you will face those again in the future. And so basically it, built, it paints a very dark picture of the future. And our present moment, the power of right now, is, is our great opportunity to release the past. And the only way we, we can release the fear of the future, the fear of repeating the same mistake, is we have to release the belief that we did it in the first place. Because in the end, that's where the healing comes in. As long as we have an anchored belief of how dark that past is, then the fear is we will repeat that. And and that's what you might say the belief that you're doomed, doomed to fear and guilt in the future. So the whole teaching today, this kind of caps it off for me. We started off about 10 a.m. this morning, and and really going directly at that idea that all of the laws of this world, everything that this entire time space cosmos is built on, is is guilt. And everything, no matter how sensible you believe the laws of friendship are, no matter how sensible the laws of medicine, the laws of economics, the laws of nutrition, maybe you think you know something about nutrition, I assure you, they're not true, any of them. None of them will stand the light. Every single thing that's learned about this world has to be unlearned. Buddha, Jesus, all the great avatars and masters who have said, empty your mind of everything you think you think and think you know, they're on it. They've done it. They've been through it. They speak from experience. There's a part in A Course in Miracles where Jesus says, all of the roadways of this world lead to death. He doesn't say some. And, and men have died upon seeing this because they saw no hope. But he does go on to say that if they'd just taken their next step beyond this low point, they would have been led to heights of happiness. Right beyond the complete disillusionment with this world, it goes up really fast, because that's, that's the road inward to forgiveness, where you realize humbly that you've been mistaken about everything. And once you come to that point of really seeing, not that you were wrong, but that you just didn't know, you really, really didn't know, that crack of openness with a tiny little bit of willingness is all it takes to be, as Jesus said, led to heights of happiness, heights of joy, heights of ecstasy. But it doesn't come from clinging to error or, or trying to protect or defend error. It comes from being open to release. 
just like a wound, if you had a, a cut on your skin, if you covered that cut and then you wrapped that cut and you never allowed any sunlight, you let, never let the air come into that wound, that wound will not heal. We have to, likewise with our mind, we have to open the wounds up. And that's why I think it's helpful to watch movies like this. If you felt your emotions getting triggered during this, that's good. That's a good thing. That's a, like, what's you welcoming this darkness up in the mind? It's good to have a good cry, have catharsis. It's, it's good to release the emotions. It's good to allow yourself to feel the emotions. We um, showed a movie this afternoon and, and the first two that came on right after the movie were triggered and, and just started pouring out their emotions. They were very triggered after the, the first movie. Imagine that was the name of it, Eddie Murphy. And then with this movie, another good, I call him a flusher. A good flusher. But it's all for the good. It's all for the good. It's it's more natural to let those emotions up and let them move through, like clouds moving through, than, than to try to be the strong, silent type or hold it in or stuff it down. You know, that, that just doesn't heal. It doesn't heal that way. So... Thank you for going through that experience and thank you for being so transparent, Howard. You, I can feel you really come and are engaged with these movies or episodes, whatever we show, and it's very healing for everyone. Thank you. Uh, they really do unravel things that are, for me, beyond my level of consciousness. So uh, I want to share a thought in the form of a question. I'm not sure exactly how to answer it, so it may take a couple of seconds longer, and I apologize for that. When Billy choked on the hamburger or whatever she was eating, and it triggered the memory of his helplessness with his mom. Um, and I'm going to just speak about myself rather than generally speaking, and perhaps people could relate or not. But when we have traumatic experiences like Billy's helplessness with his mom, it's my belief, certainly not truth, that it's such a powerfully traumatic experience that it gets blocked. And I wonder if that's the body's way of either going in shock or protecting us from that pain. So my question is, for me, the awareness that he was paralyzed from his mom's death and his inability to do anything about it, which created that fear of losing love again with Josie. So I guess here's my question. How do we access these dark places of 
trauma and loss that the body, the mind has blocked or the heart has shut that door on because it's too painful. Um, In this beautiful movie, that trauma was triggered by the thought of losing his daughter. But I personally, this movie made me aware of um, deep sadness, which I guess has been running my life for my entire adult life. The meaning and what I observed as a young little boy and that sorrow has on an unconscious level been running my adult life. And as a result, I've been fearful of opening my heart to love again. So I want to thank you. I I don't know where you came from with regard to my... I swear. Um, But you and what you create for me has been such a gift. But I, I... So I guess I want to focus back on the question. How do we access the pain and sorrow that we've sealed off if we never have a moment that triggers in life that pain. Am I making any sense whatsoever? Yeah, yeah. Well, we have a great tool with A Course in Miracles because what it's doing is it's going to take us on a journey and build our confidence with miracles. And we will need that confidence because uh, to go all the way with this is you, you have to build and strengthen your faith and your confidence with miracles. And that's why it's called a course in miracles, not a course in revelation or a Course in Light or Love. It's A Course in Miracles. It's very practical, and we need to train our mind to become habitually miracle-minded just to build the momentum, almost like if you were going to go over a great wall and you had to build momentum with a running start to really go for it. Because uh, if we look historically at the journey to God, the mystics and saints all hit what St. John of the Cross came to call the dark night of the soul. No matter how much confidence, no matter how deep they went in their minds, they hit what Jesus calls in the Course the ring of fear. That Under our gross perceptions of the world, of, of the images of the world, there is a ring of fear that's underneath the perceptual world. They always used to say, love makes the world go round. Well, there's, there's actually fear under the surface. If you could go into your mind beneath the images and perceptions down, you would hit the emotional ring of fear underneath. And that's what produces this world. And so there is a section in The Course in Miracles called The Obstacles to Peace. And you go down, there's four of them, and the, the last one the lowest, the deepest, the last one to, to pass is, is the fear of God, fear of God's love. And this is like a very graphically described as like making a bargain with the devil. 
you, Jesus uses words like, and now you must go past, you must raise the cornerstone of the ego's belief system, which you swore in blood never to look upon. I mean, he's, it's a very graphic description of a bargain that was made, almost like we call it selling your soul. Making a bargain, making a deal, and swearing you would never go back. You would never reverse. You would never go back. And the ego, the closer you come to this cornerstone of the thought system, the ego is screeching, God's going to kill you, kill you, kill you. And actually by lifting this cornerstone, there's only love and light underneath this cornerstone. But as you approach it, this, the ego is screaming, kind of trying to protect itself from from disappearing and and it gets more and more intense and that's basically what the dark night of the soul is. So there's a lot of pep talks that are there, you know, he says doubt will come and go and go to come again, yet is the ending certain. Uh, he does say at one point an experience will come that will end your doubting. He doesn't say a theology will come, but an actual experience will come to end your doubting, and he's encouraging us to seek for, to go for that experience. He's cheering us on. There's pep talks. At one point he says, you will not go on alone. Mighty companions travel with you. Look around. Here they are. The mighty companions have showed up. You will not go on alone. As deep as this journey is, and as much faith as it takes, is there's going to be these symbols of support. So that when you have your meltdowns, when you have your crack-ups, when, when things just feel like the wheels are falling apart, everything's falling apart, there will be those symbols around that are there for nurturing love and support. And really that's what Jesus was. was he was a way-shower. He was just saying... Yes, you can do what I can do. We're, we're the same. The only difference is that I have transcended time. So I stand at the end of time and I will vouch for you every time you stumble and trip and fall. I'm, I vouch for you. I, I'm there. I've corrected all the errors. They've all been handled. So basically the message is you can't mess it up. You can stumble, but you cannot fail. You will reach the truth, and it is inevitable that you will reach the truth. And, and I would say things like a relationship, watching movies, uh, music. There's, just, there's different um, breathing techniques. There's lots and lots and lots of different tools and resources and techniques that all to some extent, have temporary value. And that's what happens on the spiritual journey. You just start to avail yourself of all the help that's there. Before, we thought we walked completely alone. Before, we, that's why we, we were quite distracted and we felt like there's some big thorn that's in, in our side and it's so deep and pushed in so far that it's almost like we tried to get accustomed to, to traveling as a wounded one, because the wound felt so deep. But at some point, you do realize that you're, the whole point is to, is to allow that wound to be healed. 
Another line that's helpful is, you cannot wake yourself, but you can allow yourself to be awakened. So that allowance becomes extremely important. Am I willing to allow the pain to come up, the pain to move through? Am I willing to follow guidance so that, that even though there are things that I may have avoided for years, you know, am I willing to take another look, to allow that? Isn't there, what's that step in 12 steps where you have to do all your inventories? That's, not, that's a fourth step. That is so crucial, as you know, for healing. That unless you, allow, that's part of allowance. That's allowing what was pushed out of awareness to come into awareness. And there's some acknowledgement there that is actually important. It's like underneath you're saying, I'm willing to expose anything that, any thoughts of wrongdoing, I'm willing to expose them. I'm not going to hide them anymore. And that, that is like an activator for healing. So for me in my journey, that became the prayer of my heart. Once I became aware of all this unconscious darkness, then I was praying on a daily basis with Jesus. I was just saying, how can I access this? And that's when he took me to the movies. He'd have me going to one, two, three movies a day. Um, and processing in the car. If I went to a theater, I'd go to the car and all kinds of praying and crying and processing. And the same with yeah, music and I think too with relationships, that's a speed up because you there's so much mirroring that goes on. It's very intense in a relationship because there's so much mirroring. But if you have that proper perspective of what is it for, in your mind, that helps you move through the darkness much faster. Instead of projecting to get rid of something and blame, you know, you're actually in, a, in more of a state of gratitude for, thank you for showing me this, and wow, I really need to face this, and you know, there's that gratitude that's there. Beautiful, thank you. Yeah, we're with you. We're with you. No accidents. <laughs> you wandered in and now, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> That's beautiful. Jeff. Well, I was crying throughout a lot of that movie and other movies too. I'm an easy cry. But... I I notice. Well, I am assuming that crying is uh, going deep and flushing things up. But on the uh, a top surface, it looks like when the special relationship is succeeding, that's when I'm rooting for it. It's, so it's a it's still the topmost layer of the rooting for the special relationship gets me all teary. So that points to something going on, still wanting it in my life, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful that you can notice that because, yeah, I was talking today earlier about this, um, this amazing 
one sentence. I did this. I said I could do a whole week retreat on one sentence. It was from uh, Lesson One Thirty Five in A Course in Miracles. I don't know if we have a book here. We can go through. It was a. It was one sentence with two commas. So I, I told everybody it's a long sentence. But when I came to it. It really stopped me. I, I spent a long time with Jesus on this one sentence. You want to? You want to read it? Remember where it was? Starts off with the healed mind. It gets my attention with the first three words: the healed mind. A healed mind does not plan. It the next carries one. out the. Oh, another. <laughs> a healed mind is relieved of the belief that it must plan. Although it cannot know the outcome which is best, the means by which it is achieved, nor how to recognize the problem that the plan is made to solve. So they, he's given it to you straight. It's the whole course in one sentence. Okay. A healed mind is relieved of the belief that it must plan. Imagine how relieving that would be if you never had to make another plan in your life ever again. Whew. Talk about relief. But there's three conditions. <laughs> All you have to do is, is meet these three conditions and you're relieved of the belief of, of planning the future. You cannot know the outcome which is best. You cannot know the outcome which is best. So right away, it's great. You're crying and you notice the rooting going on. Like, come on. You want the fairy tale ending. Very good. What's Jesus say? You cannot know the outcome which is best. He's, he's telling us if we want to heal, we have to let go of all interpretation of outcomes. And you can tell he's moving in that direction. What's the first lesson of A Course in Miracles? Nothing I see means anything. So he's going to use the whole book to train our mind to come to seeing that I cannot know the outcome in form which is best. Then the second thing. The means by which it is achieved. Oh, the ego hates that. <laughs> oh, I can have a healed mind, but I can't know the means that I, by which I will achieve it. Oh, for the analytical mind, that's a bummer. That is a bummer. We've all been trained with that analytical mind. We, just tell me the how. Just give me the means. Oh, you can be a millionaire. Okay, tell me how. Tell me how. You can win the lottery. Tell me how. Tell me how. What are the means? No, he's saying you cannot know the outcome, which is best, and you, you cannot know the means by which it is achieved. You cannot know the means by which a healed mind is achieved. Okay, that's two. One more. Throw, it, throw us the third condition. Or how to recognize the problem that the plan is made to solve. No, you cannot know how to recognize the problem that the plan is meant to solve. You're not, you can't be privy to what's the first thing they teach us in problem solving? Define the problem. And he's telling us here, no, you cannot know how to recognize the problem that the plan was meant to solve. I was telling the group today on TV worldwide, I was saying, why is that last one so? It's because forgiveness overlooks the error entirely, overlooks the problem. The Holy Spirit looks right to the blazing light of innocence, the light of the atonement, the light of perfection. 
That's what forgiveness is. It overlooks the problem. It doesn't first see a problem and then go and tell somebody, you know, you're a sinner. I've been watching you. You're a sinner. But I'm a Christian, and I'm going to forgive you. It, Jesus is like, sorry, sorry, sorry. It doesn't work that way. You have to, with the Holy Spirit's help, help overlook the error. See, there was no error. See, there was no sin. See the perfection that it always was. See your brother or your sister as the Christ. See them as God created them. So those three conditions, he's, he's laying it out there, but those really require a, a clearing out of the mind. You, you have to reach a place where you don't see errors. Because as long as we have those outcomes, you're right, there's some kind of unconscious thing that's playing where, you know, we want the guy and the girl to get together at the end. All of this, Jeff, <laughs> all of this, <laughs> he's looking for an ally. <laughs> all of this attempt, you know, to to believe that there are some outcomes better than other outcomes. We've talked many times. Remember that woman you had in France? That, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've been through yeah. this many times. <laughs> Jeffrey's like, I, it's not that I haven't tried, <laughs> but it's good just to be able to notice it and then just feel what's underneath, what's underneath the surface. And that's good. It's no different than rooting for a sports team or rooting, you know, for an outcome in the world. Rooting for a political outcome. You know, people root all the time. That's the ego underneath that's, that's hoping that we'll find a happy outcome, but it's already defined it, a happy outcome. And the tears are letting go of the grief that's underneath that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. They're healing tears. Yeah, they're healing tears. Because there's a part in the Course, he calls it the Forgotten Song, where he says, if you remembered where you were, if you remembered heaven and all those that were there with you, you would weep. He uses the word weep. In con connection with love. Like if you could feel the love of of reality, of truth, of, of heaven, you would weep. And even in this world, we have symbols of that. Bill Thetford was one of the first two Course in Miracles students in the world, he and Helen. And the way that Bill passed was he went out for a walk on a sunny day in Northern California and his heart burst. His heart exploded. To me, that's a beautiful symbol. It also came after he had told Judy Scotch, I've forgiven my last relationship. And she didn't believe him. And and he went, he was so happy and he just poured it out to her how how happy he was. He was just glowing. He was just so full of joy and and uh, she wanted him to, to go out to get some groceries. And he said, no, I'd like to just like to walk in the sunshine, and then they found his body near the sidewalk, and his heart had burst. You know, a bursting heart. To me, that's a beautiful symbol 
of a heart that can't even contain itself. You know, that's what we're being called to. We're, we're being called, I think I have a video, from familiarity to bursting joy. <laughs> that's the title of the video. We're going from familiarity, which is the, you know, the, the stories of the world, to bursting joy. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, David. Yeah, I, I find that whenever you have these movies, I start remembering there are some things that, some beliefs in my mind that growing up that seemed to come up that I didn't even know was there in some way that I valued at some point. And the two things that come up in my mind right now are the two things I used to hear a lot when I was growing up. One of them is intimacy breeds contempt. My aunt used to say that. And the other aunt would say, don't love too much. You know, leave some for yourself, because if you do, you'll never survive. And that I feel like, in a way, this movie is flushing up that, those reflections from my childhood and believing that. And then when I think about, you know, the practice here in community is about no people pleasing, no private thoughts. I'm sitting here and I'm recognizing that the only reason I even keep private thoughts or grievances is because I already know the place is safe on some level, that I can. But I think the scary part is if I really emptied it all out, it's just this terrible fear of, it's just really love. That's all that's really left. And so the whole idea of this whole separation and that there's another person there is... Yeah, it starts to starts to be shaky that belief. And yeah. you know, I, I do recognize that, you know, in all these years I I don't know. I, I think I, I can see now there's not really a way to love as a person. I can't really love as a person. And if I love as a person I'm always gonna experience loss. I'm very present to that loss. And I can tell, like, you know, how many times, you know, or how I never really wanted to engage in all these years to be that intimate with someone because I knew the loss would be devastating as a person. But the experience here in being community is really more and more a seeing, you know, reflections like the elders that have really continuously washing that selfhood, that personal self, and seeing, oh yeah, okay, there is joy on the other side of that. I can survive that. That's actually where true love is. That's actually where there's no contempt and intimacy, because that is the true intimacy. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Marie. It's 
it's very much that everything of this world is almost like is is wired in a very dark way so that um Love is equated with sacrifice. Love, the way the ego has wired the world, love is synonymous with sacrifice. And so, you know, that's why people will watch movies where the hero, you know, says, I will save all these lives and I will die so that they may live and everybody cries because love is equated with sacrifice. And, and, also, intimacy is, is quite equated in this world with devastation. And so, that's why we even have songs like, Love Hurts. You know, you, those two words get put together in songs because of that, how closely those are associated. And so, as you open up toward divine love, you will find that yeah, those beliefs are going to get flushed up and flushed up over and over as long as it takes because you might say it has to be reinterpreted or rewired the everything in this world is backwards and upside down so there can be no meaning found from the five senses and yet the five senses are determined they're they're being used for a big search like a giant search that's going on in time, in history, over and over and over, searching for meaning through the five senses. And the five senses were made by the ego to conceal the truth. So the, the truth will never be reached through the five senses. And that's why it's so devastating. It feels so meaningless. At some points people feel so disillusioned. That's why people even will kill themselves. They become so disillusioned with like a the closed system of the five senses. And yet the intuition, the this Holy Spirit, the higher self is there. And once the mind abandons the search for meaning in the five senses, that's the meaning of turn within, go within. Go into that intuition, into that that small still voice which will guide the mind very directly to the truth. But it takes quite a turn to turn away from everything that the world has presented your mind with. And um, the great poets and the mystics and the saints, you know, they, the ones that go deep enough, that that is their message. And um, on the online retreat today, somebody was saying, I think a woman from Mexico was saying that, that um, she wanted to have faith and trust, but she also wanted clarity, and she realized that she wants the clarity first. It's almost like she needs the clarity for there to be the trust. And I, I always remember that part in The Course in Miracles where Jesus says, peace and understanding go together and cannot be found apart. So, if you want to understand, you have to have perfect peace. <laughs> That's quite an order. Perfect peace. Unwavering peace. Only peace. Solely peace. That's where understanding comes in. 
And if we take it one more step from that, if peace and understanding go together and cannot be found apart, it just means that instead of saying, I know something about the world, which is very arrogant, it would be better to come closer and closer to that experience of, I do not know. I do not understand anything about this world. The Buddhist chant, I know nothing. <laughs> I told you, I did that for a couple hours one time and I was getting really high <laughs> after chanting, I know nothing for like, like two hours. We all were. We, there was a woman leading a whole group of us and we all were getting really high <laughs> from that chant. But that is a clue. That is a clue for us. That's a very strong clue. That, that, um, that's why we need trust. And that's why we need to tune into our guidance because we need to be guided, we'll say, internally because those five senses are the tricksters. They are not going to show us that, that way. And even when we watch these movies, you, you can feel like a dismantling happening or a, a, a cleansing happening, a washing. Like Jeff was saying, you know, those, there is a healing happening through those tears. There's like an exposing more of some grief or something that's coming up and, and that's, that's a good thing. That's, that is very, very helpful. So thank you for hanging in there, Marie. <laughs>